0: It is so good to see you this morning and to be in worship with you. We appreciate so much your being here. Thank you to uh, our musicians this morning for leading us wonderfully. Woods and his team have put together a series of sermons that begins today, and that series is centered around Christian community. And the series is actually based on a book that was written by Dietrich Bonhoeffer. Dietrich Bonhoeffer lived in the 20th century. He was a pastor and a theologian in Germany during the time of the Nazis, and he dared to oppose the Nazis. And uh, he suffered for that very much. But in the process of all that happened in those days, Dietrich Bonhoeffer, one of the things he did was create an alternative community for the church that was known as the Confessing Church. And the confessing church consisted of those Christians in Germany who dared to oppose the Third Reich. One of the pictures here that you see is a picture of Dietrich Bonhoeffer with a group of confirmation class members uh, at a retreat. There's another picture there of, of Dietrich Bonhoeffer with a group of seminary students. They actually had a seminary that was an underground seminary, an illegal seminary, and they lived together in a very ordered life a very intentional community. And Dietrich Bonhoeffer gained great strength from this. But of course, because of his opposition to the Nazis, Dietrich Bonhoeffer was eventually arrested by the Gestapo. And in 1945, two days before the uh, prison camp was liberated by the Allies, Dietrich Bonhoeffer was executed uh, by the Nazis, by the Gestapo, And so he is and was a very modern martyr, a very amazing man. And he was able to do much of what he did because of the strength that he received from uh, those folks who uh, were in community with him. And that book is called Life Together. And you can buy a copy of the book if you'd like to follow along. Uh, Woods will be looking at chapter 3 of that book next week in his sermon So this morning, our scripture lesson is from uh, two places. First of all, from the book of Acts, chapter 2, verses 42 through 47. They, being the first Christians, devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and fellowship, to the breaking of bread and the prayers. All came upon everyone because many wonders and signs were being done by the apostles. All who believed were together and had all things in common They would sell their possessions and goods and distribute the proceeds to all as any had need. Day by day, as they spent much time together in the temple, they broke bread at home and ate their food with glad and generous hearts, praising God and having the goodwill of all the people. And day by day, the Lord added to to their number those who were being saved. And then from the Gospel of John... Chapter 14, or 13, excuse me, verses 34 and 35. These are the words of the Lord Jesus Christ. I give you a new commandment, that you love one another just as I have loved you. You also should love one another. By this will everyone know that you are my disciples, if you have love for one another. The word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Let us pray. O Lord, open our ears, our minds, our hearts to receive your word this day, that it may take root in us and grow to maturity and produce the fruit that you will, to the end that we may love as Christ loved us. Amen. So... Linus proclaims that he wants to be a doctor. And Lucy says, you can never be a doctor. You know why? Because you don't love mankind. That's why. To which he replies, I love mankind. It's people I can't stand. (laughs) And sometimes I'm tempted to say, I love the church. It's the Christians who get on my nerves. All of that to say that Christian community is not natural. It is supernatural. It is born of God's spirit. It is sustained by God's spirit. True Christian community is the gift of Christ. It is the desire of Christ. It is the destiny that Christ has for his people. And so Jesus says, I give you a new commandment, that you love one another even as I have loved you, that you should love one another. And by this we'll all know that you are my disciples, if you have love for one another. Those words confront us with a great challenge and also a great promise. The challenge is there because loving is the most difficult thing we can ever do. The promise is there because love is the most wonderful, life-giving, joyful thing we can ever do. When I hear Jesus saying, I give you a commandment that you love one another, I'm struck by the fact that I don't ordinarily think of of love is something that can be commanded. Do you? In fact, if you've ever heard me teach or preach very much, you'll hear me make much of the fact that I believe that for love to be real, it must be free. It must be spontaneous. It, it, it cannot be coerced. And so, how is it that Jesus can say, "I'm commanding you to love"? We grown-ups should ask our children about this, or maybe you remember being a child. Do you remember being a child and and being angry with a playmate, having a disagreement? And do you remember some well-meaning adult, perhaps your parents or a teacher or, or neighbor, insisting that you make up? You remember that? How did that feel when you were told that you had to make up? And it was even more odious if if the grown-up in charge said that you had to hug one another (laughs) and say you're sorry. But the worst of all was when the old person said to you that you should love your brother or your sister or your friend. Just didn't seem right, did it? So how is it that Jesus can say, I'm commanding you to love? The commandment to love is a commandment in the sense that it establishes the clear, unconditional expectation that Jesus has for those who follow him. Jesus wants, he expects, he intends for us to keep growing in his grace until we are able to truly love one another as he loves us. And in effect, what I think Jesus is saying here is nothing else will substitute for this. This is his will. This is his desire. And this commandment is a new commandment in the sense that this commandment to love transcends all the others. It is the fulfillment of all the others. Whatever else we might discover about God's will, this reality, this truth controls all the others. It is the standard by which everything else is to be understood. The love with which we are to love one another in community is produced by Jesus' love for us. It's not so much the imitation of Jesus as it is the expression of his love. Because you see, Jesus regards every one of us with an infinite, unconditional, selfless love. Jesus sees us as we really are in our imperfections, in our weaknesses. And he loves us precisely because we are so vulnerable. Jesus loves us in our human frailty, in our sick, pitiful sinfulness. He loves us for the very ones we are. He sees our potential and he loves us for the sake of what we can yet be. By his grace, he sees us as people who have the capacity to love. He loves us for our capacity to to love in him. And he loves us so as to awaken that capacity, so as to motivate us, so as to energize us, to move us. In effect, Jesus is loving us into loving. It is a love that we have for one another that is born of a knowledge of how much we are loved in our humanness. It is a love that sees another person and does not need anything from that person save the fact that they are a human being created in God's image. It is for you to see me and for me to see you and for us to be so selfless that we don't need anything. We just celebrate the fact that we are together. That is the goal. That is the desire that Jesus has for his people. And we are to love one another as disciples of Jesus. And Now, I've often thought about this, and I've often wondered why Jesus didn't make this a bit broader, more inclusive. After all, in the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus says that we are to love our enemies. So why doesn't he say that here? Why does he command us to love uh, each other? Well, I think the answer is in the purpose and the practice of Christian community. Because, you see, Christian community consists of those who are willing to follow Jesus. And if we are among those who are following Jesus, then we are members of Christ. We are members of his body. And as such, we are members of Christ to one another. Dietrich Bonhoeffer made much of this. Bonhoeffer said that one of the primary ways we know the love of Jesus is through the love that Christians have for us, that we experience the love of Christ from one another. Our capacity to love beyond the church begins with our capacity and our practice of loving within the church. Together we grow in that capacity to love others as we experience that from one another. You are Jesus to your neighbor, and your neighbor is Jesus to you if you are in Christian community. It is as if the Christian community is a laboratory in which Christian compassion is being tested and proven and released into the world. I think of a man named Clarence Jordan who was... A man very much like Dietrich Bonhoeffer, Clarence Jordan, was from America's Georgia. He went off to seminary and earned a Ph.D. in New Testament, came back to America's Georgia, and started something called the Koinonia Farm. And Koinonia Farm was an intentional Christian Christian community that was established in 1942. And it was an interracial community in America's Georgia in 1942. Can you imagine that? It was a community where everyone shared everything, they literally practiced common ownership of everything. No one claimed to own anything. They all owned everything together. They took vows of poverty. They lived together in that community. They advocated for fair treatment of sharecroppers and, and tenant farmers, and, and they loved black and white alike. And the Koinonia farm was often this the object of of hatred and disdain in that community. The Ku Klux Klan marched against them. Their their roadside fruit stand was bombed. They received constant threats. And yet they continued on through all of that. And if you've ever heard of Habitat for Humanity, you've you, you heard of Habitat? You know what that is? Habitat for Humanity was started at Koinonia Farms. And Clarence Jordan, who was the founder of, of Koinonia, was an agronomist by by. By his training in college, his undergraduate degree was in in agronomy, and he went back and established Koinonia, and he said of it, this is an experiment station in the gospel. What we are doing here is a demonstration plot and what it means to really live the gospel. And so for us to love one another, to grow in fellowship, is like an experiment where we are going to practice Christian living and as we grow, then we share with the world. Now, that isn't necessarily an easy thing to do. I've had a couple of experiences with Christian intentional Christian community. One of those was something called the Academy for Spiritual Formation. The Academy for Spiritual Formation is a community that comes together, uh, 40, 50, 60 people, most of whom don't know one another, and they are put together for six weeks at a time, four times a year for two years. And they live a kind of retreat life for those weeks. And I remember how I would always feel on the first four days of one of those six-day sessions. The first day when I get there, or got there, I was always glad to see my friends, always glad to see the people with whom I had connected, with whom I had, you know, something in common but the second day i always felt out of place as we would gather in the larger community i would i would feel like i didn't belong and i would find myself saying to myself i am such a fake i don't belong here and then the third day everything would turn around and i would look at the look at the group and i would say they are all such fakes they don't belong here And then by the fourth day, finally the Holy Spirit would have a little room to operate in my life, and I would begin to see all of us as we really are, and I would say, we are all fakes, and Jesus loves us anyway. And that is why we do belong here. Dietrich Bonhoeffer says that disillusionment must happen for Christian community to exist. By disillusionment, he means that we must overcome Our illusions about what Christian community ought to be. Christian community is not a Disney world in which everything is bright and beautiful. Christian community is not a paradise in which everyone is nice and polite and attractive. It is not a panacea in which everyone agrees. It is not even a particularly religious reality in which everyone speaks and thinks and acts a certain way. For Christian community to exist, it must go through disillusionment. We must get over the idea that the church is anything other than actual life lived together, bound together by Christ. Christian community is life lived with all of its highs and all of its lows gathered into a common desire for Christ. The book of Acts describes how this first church came into being. It was born, of course, from the proclamation of the gospel. It was born from the outpouring of the Holy Spirit on the day of Pentecost. And Luke tells us that those who receive the word Gave themselves, devoted themselves, turned themselves over to the apostles' teaching, to the prayers, to the breaking of bread, to fellowship. They abandoned themselves to Jesus in this way by continually hearing and growing in knowledge of Jesus by observing the prescribed times of prayer at the temple, by eating together in remembrance of Christ, and by being very intentional about their life together. The word we translate fellowship in Greek is the word koinonia, from which koinonia farms received its name. It comes from a root word from which we get our word common. It is life made common by the grace of God. It is life shared at deeper and deeper levels in the presence of Christ, in the power of the Spirit. And in the case of those first Christians, they grew to trust one another so much that they gave up ownership. They shared everything in common. You see, Christian community is a fellowship that is so deep, that it always results in radical stewardship. And Jesus says that by this level of love, we'll all know that we are his disciples. This is the proof. The proof of Christian discipleship is when we overcome differences in the name of um, of Christ. When we overcome differences of age... When we overcome differences of race, of gender, of income, of education, differences of native ability, differences of language, of nationality, and politics. Christian community exists, and this is the proof of discipleship, when we overcome any difference, anything that separates us and we live together in the rough and tumble of life through the grace of God in Jesus Christ. Nothing less than this, Jesus says, is the true mark of our Christian discipleship. And we do this first and foremost in this place with one another. I remember when I was a part of the Academy for Spiritual Formation, we would go away for retreat and we became very dear friends. We, we grew in our love for one another. And some of the people who would participate in the academy would say, I don't want to go back to my church. I just want to, I just want to stay here in this wonderful place, and I, I want to live like this. I, I really, my church is such a letdown. And I remember thinking to myself, well, if we, if we lived together all the time, we, we would have our problems. What we're doing here is not altogether real. And if I can't live with my local church, with my own family, in this kind of love, then what use is it? You see, this is where we start. This is where we do the hardest, most fundamental work of Christian fellowship and discipleship. It is right here with one another, with this congregation the congregation that gathers here, the congregation that gather in the other two places, this is where it starts, right here. And then as our affections mature in relationship to one another, we grow in our gratitude for Christians elsewhere, in all places. And we grow in our love for people who are not a part of our fellowship. We grow in our love for strangers and even our enemies But it all starts here as we practice fellowship with one another. This is our life. This is the living proof of who we really are as persons loved by God, called by God. And sisters and brothers, this is what the world needs from us. Our world is so divided. The world needs an example of people who have learned to live together. Like those first Christians, we enter into this fellowship with prayer. We, we enter into it with constant attention to the gospel. And we enter into it with the breaking of bread that is a sign of our common life. And so we come to this table this morning to receive the sacrament that Christ has prepared for us. And this table is a table where we are all equal. There are no distinctions here All are welcome. This is the Lord's table. And we come with gratitude. With thanksgiving, let us pray. Almighty God, we confess that we have not always loved you with our whole heart. We have failed to be an obedient church. We have broken your law. We have rebelled against your love. We've not loved one another as we ought. We've not loved our neighbors. And so often we've not even heard the cry of the needy. So forgive us, we pray, and free us for joyful obedience. And we give you thanks that Christ died for us while we were yet sinners. And that proves God's love for us. And, O Lord, may we prove our love for you as we gather into love with one another. Create in us, O Lord, a desire for your community, the beloved community, that we may be one in Christ, one in ministry, and one to all the world until Christ comes in final victory and we feast at that heavenly banquet which will be the perfection of community through Christ we pray Amen